And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Lights out and away we ayo! I'm Trey Kirby and welcome to another episode of No Breaks, a Formula One podcast from the No Dunks Inc. Classic Factory proudly a part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Whether you're listening on Apple, Spotify, the Athletic app, or any other podcast service, or if you're part of the Slipstream team watching live on YouTube, thanks for coming along for the ride. I'm your host, Trey Kirby. We got a new wheelman on the pit crew today. That's J.E. Skeets. Skeetsy, what's up, man? I didn't even know what to do with my hands when you said I'm on the pit crew. I'm like, I, I don't know. What do I do? Um, I'm here. I'm going to try and not wreck things, uh, but I'm, uh, I'm ecstatic to talk about the U.S. Grand Prix, mm. uh, especially. That's exactly right. Camp, very excited to have you here. We also got J.D. monitoring the tire pressure up in the paddock. And of course, we're joined by our local F1 expert and a man who thinks Grand Prix Anytime he hears the letters GP, it's GG, Graydon Gordy. And Graydon, what's up, dude? Hey, what is going on? I am very excited to be back. What great races we have to talk about. Well, it's been a long time since we had a No Breaks podcast. Lots of new beginnings down here in Atlanta. But Graydon, I saw you were able to catch uh, the U.S. Grand Prix live. And from what I could tell, you were quite excited. Uh... <laughs> <Yeehaw>! <laughs> well... I am a native Texan, after all, so I had to, and, and, and an Austinite at that. So oh, I had my goodness. To, oh, my goodness. had to do the great state of Texas proud and, and, and sport the hat. I, I would be wearing it on the show today, but it does not, it does not really work. So I'll go back to the old, the old Senate cap. Wow. You just made me realize it's impossible for a cowboy to ever host a podcast. I, it is. I honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so true. You don't hear a lot of cowboy podcasts. No. Though, uh, I would subscribe subscribe to Beans on the Fire. Or, <laughs> I don't know. It's another No Lassos. I guess that could be our rodeo podcast. Yeah. Or as uh, Crofty called it, Rodeo. Rodeo. <laughs> Everybody was getting uh, getting in on the fun, though. Great. You'll like this. Um, I wore your dad's belt for today's show. There you go. Oh, there you go. He's got the props here, eh? Yeah, yeah. I don't know, JD. Days. I don't know if you want to go solo when I'm showing the belt buckle. Yeah, whip it a out, little man. nervous there. Well, that's the old country and western song. Don't let your babies grow up to be podcasters. You know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of babies, I thought that's where Trey was going with the uh, wow. You managed to watch the race here uh, on the weekend, Graydon. Congratulations to you and Taryn on the birth of uh, twins, a Thank baby girl you. and a baby boy. So congratulations. How's everybody doing? Thank you. Everyone's doing great. Everyone's doing great. Mom's doing great. Both kids are doing great. You know, awesome. just, uh, you know, it's just a brand new day, a new, just a new life of uh, exhaustion and, and stress and, but also joy. So right. it's, it's great. It's the best. That's awesome. 
Well, I thought it was very cool that you named them Max and Lewis after yeah. the race we had during the weekend. I thought that was a very fitting name because like you're saying, it can be a stressful time uh, when you're new parents and there were some stressful moments in this race. The U.S. Grand Prix down in Austin, the Circuit of the Americas. We got a tight championship battle. And I love that the beef between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen started 10 minutes into free practice one. Hamilton pushes Max out of the way for a flying lap. Max gives him the finger and calls him a stupid idiot. <laughs> he should have better insults than this. I'll say that, but Graydon, tell me, do Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton actually hate each other or are they just competitors? I think they're just competitors. I think that these guys are super intense out there on track and I think that they love to play mind games with one another. But I think that there's a lot of respect. You see it after races when they're fist bumping or kind of talking, I think, cordially. I, I think there's a long storied history of this going back to, you know, Nicky Lauda and James Hunt always having a, a an odd degree of warmth and camaraderie. And throughout the year, you know, Prost carrying Senna's casket at his funeral. Guys who just had incredibly intense rivalries actually having a lot of respect for one another. And I, I think the respect is there because they acknowledge that they're, you know, the best two drivers on the grid right now. Well, well, uh, this is my first of many really dumb questions because that's why I'm here. I am an F1 noob. I tried to convince my wife, Nora, to come on this podcast instead <laughs> of me. She knows way more and we'll get her there. She'll be on one of these No Breaks episodes one of these days. Um, what's your go-to road rage, Graydon? Are you, uh, <laughs> oh. are you, uh, you know, are you hammering <laughs> oh. a horn? Are you a finger? Are you dropping f bombs what do you do i'm 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 not a finger guy yeah, I'm, not, that's I'm, not, I'm not that that seems weird i i will admit i've become a little quick with the horn my wife is is thinks i need to chill out with the, with how quickly i'm just i'm i'm i'm, I'm hitting the horn you okay. know I think she, like, so that's you know but i'm also trying to be you know, I'm trying to just be zen out there. Uh, of course. In Atlanta nice. traffic, you have to. Oh, have to yeah. <laughs> yeah. TK, what about you? What do you do? What's your go-to? Um, For me, it's a, it would be bad in an F1 car, let me tell you. Because for me, it's guaranteed. <sighs> yeah, that's oh, what I both, do. Both hands off uh, the wheel. Yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> disgust. Just disgust. <laughs> Probably don't want to do that at 200 no. miles an hour. But, you know, 20 miles an hour on the... Uh, interstates here in Atlanta. That's fine. Graydon, would you support F1 cars getting horns? <laughs> I think it's a great idea. Great idea. I mean, I, I see no downside. What is the downside? My only note, these cars need horns. <laughs> <laughs> no, leave that stuff to me. Those are my type of ideas. And I will say, uh, I know we're going to get into the race. You're setting us up. You're great here, uh, TK. Uh, in honor of uh, Sergio Perez not being able to drink, I'm going to try and take down 32 ounces of water for him uh, during this podcast. And, uh, you know, I don't love water. That's a weird thing about me. <laughs> eh, not a lot of taste to it to me. I like something else. But uh, to Sergio, struggling with his drinking system. Is that what just happened there, uh, Great, and it just doesn't work sometimes? This is not the first instance of that happening. This has famously happened to Kimi Raikkonen, I think, a few times. Hold on. They put millions upon millions of dollars into these cars and everything that could go wrong and have a backup plan, but they, they can't figure out how to drink water from a straw. I had a camelback when I was in Arizona. That's all you need. I think... I think 
part of the issue is this has been discussed a lot on F1 technical forums and things like that. Like, why the heck can't they get this right? I guess the conclusion is there's no competitive advantage to having a better water pump system. So they just don't focus on it at all. And it easily comes dislodged. It feels like a very solvable problem to me. Like, I, I, I can't really explain why it's happening, but I do think it would be really tough to do a race like that in texas with no water yeah yeah well perez said that it was like the most physical race he's ever raced or something right so you would think there is a little bit um some sort of benefit to being able to drink water if you're (laughs) driving in 100 degree heat for two and a half hours this brings us to my second dumb suggestion should be formula one drivers be allowed to have a snack during the race at a pit stop, whatever you can fit in your mouth in those four seconds, you're allowed to eat it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think so. During a pit stop, absolutely. Yeah, just have a guy like with a Jimmy John's yeah. sub He's waiting there. He sticks it in your in mouth and you're good to go. Yeah. yeah. No, you don't like that idea, Graydon? Or I mean, it's like... just the helmet. I mean, I, listen, if you can get it, in, you can eat it. If you can get it in your mouth, yeah. you can eat it. I think it's fine. Oh, hold on. Is it against the rules? Have... Like, can you... Could, no you, could you legally have a granola bar during a pit stop or is it actually against the rules? It's probably good. I don't know. I don't know about that. It might be illegal. Is it illegal to remove your helmet? Oh, good point. A, I could see that being like a safety regulation. Huh. Huh. I, I guess I've never looked into it. Guys aren't really normally. <laughs> I thought you were an right? expert here. When they're, Jesus. Still, when they're still in it, they tend to leave their helmets on. So it okay. hasn't come up yet. And that's it for No Breaks. Thanks for joining us. We're putting horns in cars and giving these guys snacks. It's a road trip. Uh, actually, there were races. Uh, it wasn't just practice and qualifying and people not being able to drink. Lewis and Max got into it on the very mm. first turn. We had, after qualifying, Verstappen sitting on pole. Hamilton is second. But for whatever reason, starting second seems to be almost an advantage here since you get the inside lane on the turn there at turn one. Great start for Hamilton. He's got uh, Max beat to turn one. This is a track that Mercedes has been dominant at. They won in 14, 15, 16, 17, and 19. Graydon, after one turn, did you think this race was over? No, I I didn't. I I thought there was still uh, a lot left there. It it certainly... it, it it opened up the opportunity for the undercut from Red Bull. We've always known them to have really aggressive tire strategy, and we saw them doing that. But it also is a track where you can overtake genuinely if you if you game it out right. It's it's not like a Barcelona or a Singapore or something like that, right? So I think so. It felt plausible that if people played their cards right, Red Bull could make it back, could win. They also out the gate appeared to have better pace. You know, he hung right mm. there with Hamilton, both Hamilton and Max thought that Max was quicker on those mm-hmm. opening laps. So there was so clearly Red Bull was going to be able to hang in there with them, but there was a lot of racing left for their various strategies to play. I, I did have a question about that that start there. Is it always with this race? Like isn't it an advantage to be second uh you know after qualifying to have like sort of the the inside track it appears like a better sort of uh angle to hit that first turn or no? They say, there's a few tracks where they say that this is I think something they famously say at Monza as okay. well and there's a couple others where I feel like this comes up the idea is is it better to be second it 
as much as people like to say it as a talking point, you never see anybody like throwing it and qualifying in an right. attempt to get. You never sure. see anybody. Nobody at, pulls like, over at, and no, has a snack. No, <laughs> no, like, no. Nobody like nobody ever like purposefully gives up that spot. Okay. Yeah, so it so it, it for the teams they don't seem to ever act on that information if they you know I feel like that's more like you know fan perspective if anything we should go back over the last 10 races here or i don't know how long they've been doing it in austin you guys could tell me but like yeah how many times from from lights out does the the second place car overtake the uh the car in first place at that first turn i mean does it happen 75 percent of the time is it pretty rare like with this instance with uh with hamilton do it to max i don't know if you have the numbers in front of you there great and your I eyes lit up i, thought I you don't did. have them but i was yeah. th- i was actually looking for the slipstream team to jump in here oh they're very knowledgeable okay great the data on that i was looking but i don't know i don't know but it's a great it's a great point that i do I, they were saying during the race that oftentimes the person in second or the person who starts on pole is often not the winner Hmm. So there is, you know, so this is, I guess, an exception uh, this season or this year is an exception. Hot start for Hamilton. He goes into first and Max looked like he could have lost out, but he was a little lucky. I feel like uh, that Checo was in third there, kind of let Max back into second position uh, to kind of continue the race from there. And that's when Red Bull started getting busy in the pits around lap eight. I think you can start hearing Verstappen saying he was noticing that Hamilton was slipping around on the hard tires there. In lap 11, Red Bull pulls the undercut, brings Max in for a new set of tires. Hamilton stays out for another three laps. And when he exits the pits, he's a few seconds down on Max. So, Graydon, you're telling me this is an aggressive strategy, changing your tires first. Red Bull had to do it to be able to get back in this race? I Honestly, you know what was interesting is I think either team anticipated doing it if they weren't in first. I had read that as well, that Mercedes went in anticipating perhaps not being in the lead heading into turn one, obviously because they were not starting on pole, and had considered in their pre-race strategy pitting Lewis as early as lap eight. Um, but of course, having taken track position, they didn't end up doing so. But so in general, I think people knowing it was going to be a two stop race and knowing the track position was important, that the undercut might be powerful because the medium tires were going to degrade very quickly on uh, at the Circuit of the Americas. I, yeah, I think that a lot of people went in very aggressively there. They weren't even the first two pit. I think Alonso did mm-hmm. pit on lap eight. So that you saw people coming in incredibly early in this race, you know, way more. I, I have a question with that. Again, a noob question, but there are no wrong questions, right? No bad questions. That's what, that's what they told me in high school because um, I was always that kid asking the dumb questions. Um, why is it when, especially in the case of Max versus Hamilton, if one guy pits, why does the other guy go in right away? Like, right, like just follow him. Like, okay, you're doing it. I'm in there too. Like, why, do they, why does that not happen a lot? I've never really failed to figure that out. So it's actually, it's interesting. I actually feel like you used to see that more often. Okay. Even just a couple of seasons ago when a guy pit, the next guy would pick the very next lap yeah. attempt to try to like minimize the impact of the undercut. And in more recent seasons, people have just been taking more dramatically distinct tire strategies. Mm. Uh, you know, it's, I, I, I actually do agree with you. I think there are instances where they this is also this might also in particular be a lewis and max thing because in the midfield you do still see that more often but lewis is so good at managing his tires Mm. and is so open to very long stints 
on a set of tires that when that he will say, let's just keep going, let's press our advantage, right. I can maintain, you know, a good pace on on this partially used set. So I feel like that's actually a strategy that maybe is particular to those two drivers and the way that they're going to react. Because when it happens in the midfield, you know, you'll see, you know, Ricardo pit from behind Leclerc and then Leclerc will immediately pit the next lap or whatever. That's Mm -hmm. kind of a hypothetical example. But you you still see that more with cars where the drivers and the cars are a little bit closer. Okay. So you're telling me it sounds a little bit like you would say this is a mistake by Lewis Hamilton because if you're coming in pre-race, Mercedes is saying we might need to pit at lap eight. Things start happening at lap eight. He's sliding around a little bit. Then Red Bull pulls in Verstappen three laps later. So it now ends up being six laps after what they were planning. I mean, it's Lewis Hamilton that's like saying, LeBron James, why did you pass it to Danielle Marshall in the corner? You know, you're going to let the greats do their thing. But it feels like twice during this race, Hamilton stayed out a little bit too long on his tires. It's definitely tough to say that Mercedes made a mistake this race you know i think i think because to be honest their strategy was incredibly thoughtful and well honed and right up until the very last minute i and a lot of other people watching thought it was gonna work i think you know so i did i honestly thought red bull had blown it pitted too early in both instances and mercedes was actually going to get the win so i think it's and and a lot of people did so i I, it's not I don't know if I would say they made a mistake. I just think that at the end of the day, you still got to make it happen out there on track. And a lot of factors played into what cost them the win. I I wouldn't say it was them pushing his stints too far, in my opinion. Is this, is it considered a double undercut in this race? Or is that just something I made up in my notes here? Because Verstappen comes in before Hamilton for the first stint and also comes in uh, before Hamilton for their second uh, pit stop. This is lap 30 uh red bull brings max in for new tires hamilton stays out another eight laps after that uh so he's lap 38 when he finally comes back out and at that point he's nine seconds down is that a double undercut or is that just a two-stop strategy well he he did undercut him twice is it a double (laughs) undercut i don't know know if that we're calling it that now we're calling it that now it is is forever from this point forward i'll tell you that but it made for an exciting race i don't know to me it all it seems a little bit like um like a horror movie when hamilton is 10 seconds back and there's only a handful of laps and it's just a matter of is he going to catch him in time because this one he came out i don't know i think there were maybe 16 16 laps left and he was eight seconds down. So I'm doing the math in my head. I'm like, okay, a half second in each one. Wait, no, that doesn't make sense. That would only be four seconds. I don't know. I was trying to math it out while it was happening, but it's just so tense to me. You're watching this race and you're like, the whole time you're just watching the interval between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. Is it getting shorter on this lap? Is it? Is it not? I don't know. I thought that was really exciting to watch. Are, is that nail biting stuff for everybody when you're just trying to see, is it really going to be hammer time? Oh, I think it's incredible to watch. I think it's some of the. I, I think it's so cool to just watch those seconds stick down. It's actually a really incredible thing if you do have the opportunity to go to a race live and you're seeing one of those chase downs. It, it's a really incredible thing about the live experience. Every time they go past, seeing that physical gap get shorter and shorter mm. and shorter creates a lot of tension in person. That's very different than the TV watching experience. But I mean, I was thrilled by it. It's su- 
totally gripped to the idea that, you know, even as Mercedes said on, on the radio, it was going to come down to the last three laps, which it did, sure. you know, that, that the idea that, you know, everybody was fairly confident the last two or three laps were going to involve some very intense defense from Max, some overtake attempts from Lewis. It, you know, it, it just had this, this drama and this tension that was amazing. I thought. Well, yeah. I mean, they did what 56 laps and it comes down to, what it be in? What was it in the end? Like a, a second and a half, or I don't even know yeah. what it was. It was something like that within two seconds. It's pretty amazing. Um, I'm with you though. I think you said it in person. I could see it being watching that unfold, the, the comeback, so to speak. Like with how many laps to go, he's uh, you know chipping away at his time. He's getting closer and closer. Like you're visibly seeing it. I think it does. It's difficult on television at times. It doesn't. It's it's tough to translate. Of course, you see the time, but it's like you know. To, to, to me, it's like I see nine seconds, I see seven seconds. It's it's not a lot. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, you feel like he's right there. So I could see why that would be really cool uh, watching live. And you've been to Austin, right? Uh, I have. For a race? I, yeah. I have. Yeah. Which, is, yeah. which which was great. I super encourage everyone to go. And certainly was people – I've encouraged people to go in the past, and some people seemingly took my advice because mm-hmm. the race <laughs> was packed this yeah, year. It was, I was blown lit. away at the attendance. It was huge. All right, so Skeets, when Hamilton's chasing down Verstappen, Graydon said he thought that Hamilton was going to catch him. It felt like Mercedes thought he was going to catch him. Did you think uh, Lewis was catching Max? Uh, not really, I guess, but I have nothing to go on that uh, outside <laughs> hey, of he's Just leading. Riffing? Like, these guys are, like, they never screw up almost. So they're, like, damn near perfect when they're out there. And I get, like, the tires are going, things are getting slipperier, slip more slippy. What am I trying to say? More slippery less grip. is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, uh, less grip. I could have gone with that as well. Um, so, no, I, I don't think so, outside of, like, something, like, going drastically bad. But I do find it hilarious. These guys go 55, 56 laps. You know, he's trying to hold them off. He's reeling them in, Hamilton is. And then suddenly, there's a car in front. Uh, can you get out of the way, Schumacher, I think it was? Like, we Move, had a race Mick, going on. Get yeah, out like, the way. That's insane to me that people that have been lapped that are way back are actually having somewhat of an impact uh, on the race. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, even like DRS came into play because he's there in the way that helped out Max. Do I have that right, Graydon? Maybe talk yeah, to me it, through that. It, yeah, that was a huge, that was hugely influential on the outcome of the race. At first, Schumacher coming up actually looked like it would be very costly for Max because Mick didn't get over quickly and the dirty air he was throwing off was clearly costing Max a little bit of time. Actually, the previous couple of laps, Max was actually bettering Lewis's times. He was pulling away from it. It looked maybe as as if the race was done. Suddenly, Lewis was able to close the gap very quickly again and it looked like having to pass him was going to cause a lot of issues. But then Max getting the DRS in order to pass him, you know, you know, overtake Schumacher was huge. For some reason, Lewis Hamilton either didn't get it or pass in a period where he, he you know, he, he A, didn't ever go through a DRS detection zone under one second of Max, even though at times he was. And seemingly he must have passed Mick and then, and then gone through a DRS detection zone again. So he didn't get the, didn't get it for there. So the fact that was, hugely influential on the outcome of the race in fact what looked like very unlucky initially was hugely lucky for max and uh, i think i don't want to say that was the reason max won but it it, it certainly helped. helped yeah okay yeah, i gotta... definitely insured it because it was what it was like maybe 1.2 seconds and hamilton got it down to 1.02 or something like that and just that tiny little bit of drs put yeah. 
uh, Verstappen out of range for Hamilton. I, I think that's crazy too, Skeets, that somebody who is that far back the way a Haas is can have a huge influence yeah. on the championship of the entire Formula One season. Really, uh, wh- why, I guess, is the question. Why does... Why does first place get DRS when they're passing 19th Yeah, place? That, that doesn't I, make any sense. I find that weird, yeah. There, there was a lot of criticism of that in this instance. You saw it on Twitter, and it, you know, I think it's probably just to help drivers clear cars quickly and not have back markers holding up the race, just make it that much easier to slink by them without costing them time. And in most instances, that's fairly uncontroversial because it has little to nothing to do with the outcome of the race. Everybody's just kind of going right past. This is the only instance I can remember where DRS passing a back marker was highly influential on the outcome. But it was huge because the one big thing was, is everybody was saying is where Mercedes still was stronger was their speed on the straights. And that's what they needed. They they needed to get onto a straight very close with DRS and try to push in that instance to pass on either that main straightaway or that very long back straight in Austin. And he never got either of those opportunities, partly because of Schumacher. Does that DRS kick in automatically? Is that how it works? Or is that like activated? I, no, I think they have to activate it, right? I believe they have to activate wow. it. Yeah. So, so who is like, what do you, the driver is doing that? Knowing the like when they... Yeah, the driver's wow, activating it, but you but you have to have the ability to activate. I know. It be loud, like like the, it either is like not functional or it is. Oh, okay, I got you. So okay. it's like I think even if you don't, it's you couldn't press the button and open up the back wing if you didn't if it if like you weren't allowed to if you weren't within the one. Second. Okay, okay, okay. There's Become like... able to, or it's not like as if you have to know. Oh, I'm under one second. It's either like the little light on your steering wheel is green to gotcha. hit it, or it's okay. not, or. Whatever. Okay, that's what that's what I thought it was. Yeah. I was wondering if they somehow were like being told, seeing a visual thing that like, okay, you're allowed to do it, but a little light on your uh, steering wheel, I'm sure, makes more sense. But it, it, there is like that's like the that's like the little fact checker there, basically telling you, okay, go ahead, use it <laughs> yeah. if you want to. Yeah, yeah totally, totally. Okay. And it's and and in actuality, you know, it's it's not. They're pressing, as I think somebody in the, in the comments is pointing out, you know, they're actually making tons of adjustments, you know, over the course of a lap, pressing just just countless little buttons on the steering wheel, adjusting all sorts of things. So it's, I, I think it's very second nature just to be like, oh, boom, I do this. It's the reaction is instant. But I guess my, yeah. the point is somebody could press it, even if it's not lit up and you're within <laughs> the second, you know, DRS uh, zone, but nothing will happen. Is that... <laughs> Well, I think I think it would be. Wait, are you saying it could like malfunction or? No, I'm wait, saying wait. I could be five seconds behind you and oh, uh, I click, 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 click. Yeah, then, but do anything. Okay. No, I'm DRS in anyways. Who cares? Well, I'm, that's yeah. what I mean. That's what I'm <laughs> no, doing every yeah, time. You can't, <laughs> you can't just do that. DRS. My pizza is so fast compared to everybody <laughs> yeah, else. I'm always in DRS. Always DRS. I mean, these guys That's got true. their hands free. They could easily be snacking, but Verstappen <laughs> takes the win. Hamilton second. Checo Perez finishes third. Crowd goes wild. Graydon, were you surprised that there are so many Red Bull fans in the American crowd? I I don't think so. I I think a there's a lot of new fans in the United States. A lot of you know I, I think as even we're you know <clears throat> we're somewhat evidence of that ourselves. Right. And I think that uh, Red Bull ha- is an extremely popular team. I think people, they're kind of like the, 
the not the uh, the underdog per se this season, but you know they're the challenger to the yeah. dominant team, yeah. which I think people like to root for. I also think in Texas, you know, there's a huge Hispanic population, a huge Mexican population. I think there were a lot of Perez fans in the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if you know the fact that Checo in if you watch qualifying when Checo was on provisional pole at one point in qualifying, I think after the first lap in Q3, the crowd went insane. Mm -hmm. The roars were so loud. I think that has something to do with, you know, Mexican-American culture in Texas and support for him as well. So, Yeah, that makes sense to me, but I don't know. I was a little bit surprised. Yeah, some of us Americans like to front run, you know? Some of us (laughs) like to be a Lewis Hamilton fan when they just finally find out about Formula One, but it's not just the top of the table that matters. Bunch of excitement further down the grid, too. In particular, some great battles between Ferrari and McLaren. Big race for your boy, baby Monaco. Charles Leclerc besting the McLaren of Daniel Ricciardo, while his Ferrari teammate, Carlos Sainz, finished ahead of the McLaren driven by Lando Norris. Graydon, what'd you think of your Ferrari boys this weekend? This is this is a great race for them. This is a... It's certainly... I don't know, they, they're just showing such consistency as drivers. If it weren't for a couple of very aggressive choices that Leclerc had made in some previous races, they would, they would be in, in third in the championship right now. The, I mean, I, th- I think that they're only separated by three and a half points, I think, right now. This, this is incredible. They all, honestly, they all drove really great races. Leclerc obviously drove an incredibly steady, you know, end-to-end complete race. But the battle that we actually saw, the wheel-to-wheel battling between, uh, you know, Danny Rick and Sines and Norris early in the race and and how much strategy was involved in fighting for all those positions throughout was was awesome. I mean, this this is this sort of midfield action is the stuff that makes it great. Not just them, but further down, Raikkonen and Alonso, Vettel overtaking people. There was mm-hmm. so much good action outside of Max and Lewis at this race. It's what made it, you know, partly so special, not just the tension at the very top, but up and down the grid. Yeah, I I learned I learned this uh, weekend, Trey. Sorry to jump in there. I think it was through Twitter, probably from the F1 account that they like they track who has the most like overtakes uh, yeah. in a season. I, I forget off the top of my head who has it right now, but uh, I think, I think that's pretty Vettel. cool. Yeah, I think I it think, was Vettel. Yeah, I think it's Vettel, great overtaker. Kind of says, yeah, which he, he is a great he's a great racer, no doubt. But I also think it kind of says something about where yeah where his car <laughs> is starting in that like where his car like how he's maybe doing in qualifying and where his car is starting every race oh great it's like legit most improved player it's like yeah, uh yeah. wait well, congrats you're great at improving but uh yeah. maybe you weren't very good at maybe getting uh yeah yeah right, it's, exactly. it's got a, it's a similar vibe to it to me but yeah i guess they track it Definitely got to start behind a lot of people if you're going to pass a lot of people. But you mentioned it, Graydon, and Lawrence said it here in the Slipstream team. That three-wide moment between Norris, Ricardo, and Sainz was incredible. Like you're saying, Leclerc was almost a little bit too good on Sunday. We barely even got to see him driving. He was so far ahead of these three. But Skeets, um, I know you're living in a Ferrari household as well. (laughs) Yeah. Did you think it was fair that Sainz had to give back two places to the McLarens because he let the wrong McLaren pass him after this three-wide moment there at the start? I I find this part amazing about racing. This, like, hey, nope, give it back. (laughs) Give it back. (laughs) It's like a a kid taking a toy from somebody. No, 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 give it back. He's not done playing with it. That's his for 10 more minutes, and then you can have it. Uh, 
a lot of that happens, it feels like, like way more than you would expect because of what they've done and pushing off and I get all that. Um, but to answer your question, I barely even knew that was a thing that happened in the race. <laughs> uh, I'm team Ferrari, so I have to be because of Not my fair. wife. Yeah. Yeah. I actually thought it was a bit too much. Like I, It was so early in the race. There's so much action on that opening lap. There's so much scrapping. Normally they have a lot of forgiveness for, you know, this sort of stuff on the opening lap. And that corner is so wild and hard fought every time around when drivers are close. I think it wasn't actually, was it corner 19 or was it one of the ones preceding it? But it was towards the end of the lap, you know? And I just think that, you know, Carlos clearly was somewhat deferential to McLaren there. Yeah. I, I would have let it go. I would let it go, but. Totally. He's like, I let an orange car go past me. I didn't know which one I was supposed to let yeah. go past. An orange one went oh. past. Uh, I didn't think that was, that wasn't right to me. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned it, uh, Graydon. Another great thing from this race, Alfa Romeo versus Alpine. Started versus, uh, it was Kimi Raikkonen and Fernando Alonso going wheel to sideboard. That was some serious bumping and grinding there. Uh, but then almost immediately after, Alonso passes on the outside of the track around Antonio Giovinazzi after he pushed him out. And then Alpine gets on the radio saying, so it's okay to pass around the outside now, right? Raikkonen did it to us. I thought that was a hilarious moment. And I don't know. I don't know if that happens with other drivers, but I like having two old champions in Raikkonen and Alonso being the ones who were just having like grumpy old man moments during a 200 mile per hour race. That was hilarious. A great move. I agree. The the, the 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 call from the call from Alpine to be very like, funny. This, is, this illegal thing is legal now, right? Is was great. Like <laughs> and, and Skeets, the other, another quick thing. A nice race, I thought, for Yuki Sonoda. I know he's another favorite, and your household playing a little bit of defense out there. And you know, he finished higher than Pierre Gasly. Gasly had to retire his car. Good stuff from Yuki. Yeah, good stuff from Yuki. Uh, how did he do in qualifying? I remember him being in the mix there for a little bit, and I was happy about that. Mm-hmm. I don't know where he, he ultimately was in the top ten. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I was. I was loving that. I mean, I was high on Yuki coming into this season. Uh, did he have a great first race? I can't remember. That was an eternity. Yeah, ago. he got points in his first race. Yeah, that. that's it. And then uh, you know things went sort of south for him in a hurry. So uh, you weren't hearing about him too much, and and had some uh, some DNFs. Um, but yeah, I was excited to see that. He had a pretty good race, I thought. And then I'm always cheering for uh, you know the Canadians out there i do have a problem with the broadcast uh and maybe this is a thing so maybe i'm wrong but they kept saying like this is basically like a home race for the two canadians (laughs) (laughs) i mean mean, it's 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 not okay it's it's really not at all Uh, i mean i get it there's 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 no montreal this past season right i know there is a, a grand prix race there it's it should be on the next one or next season or on the next calendar but no, no, you don't need. Like, I can't imagine. Oh, this is just like Canada uh, here in Austin, <laughs> Texas. Identical. No, no, it's not. But anyway, a little different. Uh, yeah, a little different. little different. And the only other thing from this race on the track, a lot of talk about this being a bumpy track. That doesn't seem like that should be something that you hear in Formula One at all. To me. Yeah, what does that mean, Gray? What are they saying? Like, there's a lot of gravel out there. What's going on? It's not that there's gravel out there, but <laughs> the conditions of the tarmac are a little rough. You can see it with the mm. cars. They're shaken up and down. Like, the front wings are shaken up and down. There, You see it in corner, you know, the way the, the back tires are kind of, they're, they're losing the back end a little bit throughout. It, I, I'm not sure what's up with the condition of the tarmac at Coda. It's not all that old of a track. I, I, it doesn't make, 
I don't understand why it's bumpy. I can't explain <laughs> why that is, but you know, arguably it's true. You can physically see them like jostling up and down. Are are the street races like the ones that take place within actual cities? Are they generally bumpy because they're real roads? And whereas this being a track should be sort of a lot better, at least maybe not bumpy, but as Atlantans, we might overstate how bumpy roads are normally, <laughs> and some do better better job maintaining their transportation infrastructure. But it's I like I, I mean, I don't know. Like I think of. No, I would say not necessarily. I mean, Monaco, I don't think people think of it that way. Singapore, definitely not. Although okay. Singapore having really lovely, beautifully maintained roads kind of feels on brand yeah. for them. You know what I mean? So it's, I don't know if I, you know, I'm not, I, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So. Well, pull an Atlanta and throw some sheet metal on top of those. <laughs> <laughs> That'll make for an exciting race. Uh, yeah. We had an exciting one anyways. That's all the stuff on the track from the U.S. Grand Prix. Verstappen, I think, has a 12-point lead over Hamilton with five races left in the season. But it wasn't just on track that was fun in Texas. Off the track was incredible. Graydon, you said you've been to the U.S. Grand Prix there at the Circuit of the Americas. Are the festivities always this festive? <laughs> I mean, I had a, it was a huge party when I was there, no doubt. It was it, it was like Austin itself was electric and the track was electric and people were having a great time. But this weekend did seem on another level. The crowds were huge. You know, the air, you know, people just having a, every time they cut to a shot of the fans, they seemed like they were just having a blast. Guys doing chewies in the crowd. <laughs> and like, people doing, you know, absolutely on another level. So I, I think it's, it seems even compared to other, F, other F1 races throughout the year. I mean, it seemed as if the crowd was so loud, so fired up, which was cool, which was cool to see the level of enthusiasm. I, I don't remember a 90-minute pregame show for an F1 race either, which is what we got here, at least in the States, on ESPN. Is that just, now, is that just because it's here in America, so let's, you know, really yeah. blow it out? And maybe because of the timing of the race, too? Like, it was weird yeah. to watch a race in the afternoon. I gotta be honest, I missed uh, not having my... Uh, my cereal cut in my mouth early in the morning uh, watching this. Um, that that was weird. I, I like it in the morning. I'm a fan of racing at 7, 8, 9 in the morning. Not as much in the afternoon. You know, on a weekend. You got things to do. It's a big reason why I don't watch a lot of football. I want to be mm -hmm. outside. But, yeah, that, is that a – they haven't done this 90-minute pregame show. It was amazing. No, I, I think you're right. I think it's two things. A, it's they always – uh, do a little bit more for the U.S. Grand okay, Prix. Okay. And then two, actually ESPN, if you generally watch ESPN programming on like a Sunday afternoon, it's always kind of weird and random because they're not trying to compete with the NFL. Uh, right. You know, so it's like, sure. so I think they had like plenty of time to like burn. Uh, they're just point. like, ah, we might as well just do this because we, because they're always showing, they don't save their premium stuff for that spot. Mm. Fair enough. There was a lot of weird and wild stuff happening, though, and it started actually during the week. Uh, Formula One and the NBA announced that they were going to have some sort of basically a content partnership for this weekend. You could see that playing out. The first thing we saw, though, Graydon, we had this on No Dunks uh, last week, were all of these Formula One NBA liveries. I'm not showing them all to you here. There's wow. just a nice 16 of them. They did one for all 30 of the NBA teams. I guess my question is... What NBA colors do you think would make for the best Formula One livery? 
Like, what kind of car do you like to see out there? Like, I love um, I think Aston Martin switched to the green this year. I think that looks really slick. Obviously, the Bulls have a red one here. Very reminiscent of Ferrari, a classic color car as well. What do you think, Graydon? I did like the Bulls, one of these I saw a lot. I actually thought the uh the wizards one looked sharp mm. i just kind of like a white livery sometimes okay. i think you know and i thought i thought it's i just thought it looked really sharp so they they definitely were doing a lot of that old Renault thing where they had one color on the top and a different mm. color on the sides so kind of depending on the angle it looked different a few of them didn't work for me i didn't love the nyx one i don't hate the nyx color scheme but i just thought it was i don't know it was looks a little mclaren it was a little McLaren-y. Yeah. I guess that's fair. That's fair. And I do, and I actually do love the McLaren Liberty. So no, no, no hating that. I don't know. Which, what was y'all's favorites? Skeets? Yeah, I don't really have a favorite. I'm being honest. I guess I sort of like the, I don't know if we're looking at it right there. I'm squinting. I don't have my glasses yeah. on. Um, uh, the Bucks one, like the green. Yeah. Uh, at green the and there. cream. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind that. I like a green car too. I'm with you, Trey. I think it looks cool. But yeah, I mean, I thought a lot of these were, were fine. I mean, I was fascinated by how much NBA like crossover stuff was happening with F1. I'm like, what's going on here? I thought like, I thought like you guys, maybe me and then like 80 people here in the uh, slipstream were like the only like NBA and F1 fans, but they're really, maybe there's a lot more than I thought of. There, yeah, I don't know if I have a good explanation for that. <laughs> right? There must be, because it started even when the NBA season started. Charles Leclerc, Pierre Gasly, guests of Tony Parker's yeah. at opening night. Uh, and the only reason I really bring this up is to show you guys the only time that I've ever met Lewis Hamilton. Uh, go ahead and take a look right here. This is me. Hey, what's up? Taking a picture. And it, see there in the orange in the background? No. See in the background? Yeah. What? You see him in the background there. That's uh, that's me with Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> For a yeah. second when you turned this on, I was like, man, that's not Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, so no. that, that's me taking a picture of me and Neymar while Lewis Hamilton just stands there and I have no idea who he was. Oh, this must have been wow. 17. Wow. This must have been 2017, Skeets. This was like, uh, you know, the challenge would always be take as many selfies as you can with a famous person. Yep. So a famous person walked by me and it was Neymar. I was like, that guy is famous. I know him. How about the guy in the orange? Wow. No clue. Turns wow. out it was Lewis Hamilton. I remember having to ask Lee Ellis, who was that other guy there with him? Uh, if I could go back in time, I would take two pictures. Oh, man. Really that's makes a, you think. Really, yeah, you're really a Lewis fan it. now, too. Yeah, that hurts. I'm a fan. Uh, ham stand, if you will. <laughs> but my favorite part of the weekend was the announcement from the NBA and Formula One that they would be shooting free throws, a charity free throw contest uh, between, uh, I think they ended up doing 10 different drivers uh, from Formula One, which meant we got to see some of these guys shooting basketballs, some of them for the first time ever. Go ahead and take a look here. Where, where did this air, by the way? Like, it wasn't on television, was it? I've only seen clips online. I don't know that they showed this. We're seeing George Russell, oh, his first time George shooting Russell. a basketball. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. It's a brick. For his first shot, it wasn't <laughs> atrocious. I like uh, Yuki and Gasly <laughs> handling here. <laughs> the helmet's on is a nice touch. I like that. Yeah, helmet's on. 
Airball, but oh. Daniel Ricardo, not bad. He was doing his uh, southern accent, sounding like Lee Ellis doing a southern accent. <laughs> I mean, hell, I'll sink threes all day if I have to. <laughs> and then he steps up with the camera on, no problem. Oh, okay. Not bad. Not bad from Ricardo. However, the champions ended up being the Aston Martin team of Sebastian Vettel and Lance Stroll. Skeets. Wow. Look at him here with. Fabricio Alberto, a little <laughs> bit of Spurs content yeah. for you, Graydon. Uh, love, love to see the NBA champion, Fabricio Alberto. Yeah, yeah, felt pretty good, Skeets, that Aston Martin took the win here because I think you said Nora picked uh, Lance Stroll as the best. He yep. went 6 of 10, and Sebastian Vettel went 3 of 10. Mm. 9 of 20 was good enough for the win. And honestly, just look at these ballers. Wow. <laughs> you can tell that Vettel knows how to go between the legs, even though he kind of looks like that John Lennon walking down the street meme. <laughs> and Stroll's form looks pretty nice. That's not bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's coming it's off the fingertips. Bad. Maybe it's a little too far in front of him. That's okay. He's, you know, he's pulling away the guide hand a little too quickly just based on this photo. But yeah, my wife called this. Uh, we were talking about it. She told me about this. I was like, what? They're doing a free throw competition? Again, I was like, I want to watch this. Like, where yeah. is this? We could not figure out for the life of us where the heck it was airing or if it was. But Nora said, Stroll's going to win. And I was like, why? <laughs> I was like fascinated <laughs> to hear her reasoning. And she was like, well, I mean, he is Canadian. He maybe has a familiarity with shooting a basketball, playing hoops, like growing up, uh, whereas a lot of the European guys possibly don't. And I was like, oh, okay, uh, sure. Good enough reason for you. Good enough reason for me. And she uh, she sort of called it. I can't believe 9 out of 20 was enough as a team. <laughs> yeah. It's not It's not so, great. Yeah. Vettel does play. I think Vettel is a basketball fan. He's mentioned he liked Michael Jordan as a kid, okay. which I don't know if that makes you a basketball <laughs> fan. But, but, but you know, he he's said it before. I mean, yeah. you're seeing the handles here. Look at him. Yeah. Yeah. Look at yeah. him. He's just ready to cross over anybody. Anybody. Ankle breaker. Practice your free throws, kids, as right. Lee Ellis would say. After the race, however, we weren't done with the NBA. No. Because they had Shaq there, and they brought him out instantly, and it started being hilarious right away when he came out to deliver the trophy in the most Texas car that has <laughs> what ever is this thing? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. This is just Shaq's car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is just Shaq's car. He finally makes his way to the podium where he lifted Max Verstappen by one arm and then towered over the rest of the podium. Look at this. He's taller than Lewis Hamilton, despite the fact. This uh, is not the Photoshop version. This no, is the real not. one. That's this is how one. big he was up there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very funny. And the photoshops, of course, were also very funny. The giant shack. <laughs> and then this one came out since we've done no dunk oh. skeets. Uh, they gave you a little forced perspective on the trophy that Shaq handed to Max Verstappen. <laughs> it looks tiny when Shaq's handling it, but gigantic in the hands of Maximum Verstappen. I, I liked when the broadcast, I forget who, um, which guy said it there, they were joking that when Shaq pulled up with the trophy to obviously give it to Max, uh, he's in the car, it pulls up, and then they up, they always go up those little stairs or there's an elevator to get up to that like higher podium, that platform, that he was just gonna hand it up to him he's <laughs> like here you go just reach up go. and hand it to him which would have been uh, great I, I, do they ever put like a celebrity or you know another dignitary like i get that they hand out trophies and stuff like that like that's not surprising but like 
the way they play Shaq between the two guys, like he did finish, you know, uh, 1.5 uh, in the race, that is weird, right? They don't do that, probably. No, you really don't see that. No, they're always off to the side. You yeah. oftentimes see. Also, by the way, this is normally this person is normally like a politician, yeah, or like it's not normally uh, Shaq, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it's not normally <laughs> Shaq. Well put. I mean, we've yeah. worked with Shaq before on a couple of shoots. Uh, like someone may have told him, "Hey, man, stay over here," and he's like, "No." And then it's Shaq. So what are you going to do? He's like, I'm going to stand right here. Okay, great. And maybe the F1 is like next level thinking. Like, this will be funny. Have him stand in between these guys and he'll be towering over the guy that's even on the second place podium in in Lewis. But uh, it was uh, made for some great photos and photoshops for sure. So much good stuff at Texas. Uh, I almost feel bad jamming these in here, but nobody had more fun than Daniel Ricardo, who was looking like the most Texas man alive the entire time. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Dressed as Johnny Cash, I guess, for uh, practice, and then showing up in the tucked-in Texas Longhorns jersey. Incredible stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him walk. Those know, pants baby. are too tight, mate. <laughs> Boots on. Tucked in Jersey, gentle fist pounds for everybody. Brought out the new beard. Is Daniel Ricardo American? Is he Texan? <laughs> he loves. He lo- I think he bought a house in Austin or something. Wow. Like that. He loves it. He said that. He said that for years. He loves. He loves everything. He loves like partying. He loves live music. He loves all the things that Austin is. He got there when he first came to Austin. He was like, "This is it. This is my home. I love." Wow. It. He was obsessed immediately. Okay, and you're Not you're lonely. a you're a Longhorns fan too, aren't you? I are you, am. Are you going to buy am. that jersey? Am I? The, oh, <laughs> oh that's a that's a Coachella oh, 2035 yeah, jersey for you. That's a good. Yeah. That's a good one. I like. I I just might. Huge weekend though for Ricardo because not only did he get to show off his love for Texas, his team principal Zach Brown also had to get a tattoo on his arm after making a promise to Ricardo that if Ricardo ended up on a podium. Zach Brown would get a tattoo to commemorate it. Now, Ricardo won at Monza, so Zach Brown got a tattoo of the course at Monza. Skeets, doesn't sound like you love this tattoo. No, that is a lame tattoo, <laughs> especially for, uh, yeah, sort of a bet they had going. That's pathetic. That shouldn't even, I mean, look, what I wouldn't even got? know what that is. It looks like a boot, like a bad sock or something. Like, I, I don't know what I'm even looking at here if you didn't tell me. So. <laughs> a bad sock. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like a flo- like a like a floppy sock. My buddy Brody used to always wear floppy socks, and it drove me insane. It's like, come on, man, just replace your socks. The elastic band's gone. It's like hanging off your foot. Like everybody has a friend that would take off their shoes at somebody's house or somewhere, and like their sock like is just like dangling off their foot because there's no integrity to it. That's what it looks like. To me. Yeah, I can't deny it. It looks like a dangling sock. Yeah. I'll never... That guy's got to have a dangling sock on his arm for the rest of his life. But Zach Brown, much like the Lannisters, Zach Brown pays his bets because he had to get this tattoo and he also had to let Daniel Ricardo drive his vintage Dale Earnhardt NASCAR car. Wow. Now, uh, apparently, Ricardo is a huge fan of Dale Earnhardt. That's why he wears number... Or has number three on his Formula One car. He wore a Dale Earnhardt Eliminator helmet during the race this weekend. And here he is, 
cutting it up yep. in the old Wrangler out there. I thought a brilliant move by whoever put him in here to give him an open face mask so we could just see his gigantic grin the oh, whole time he was, he was so driving happy. this thing. Yeah, I saw uh, this on the uh, pregame show. Uh, I didn't realize that was Zach Brown's car. I guess I missed that in the uh, in the little lead up to it. But he was having so much fun uh, driving that Graydon. Oh my god! If Zach Brown does have a huge car collection, by the does way, he? there's like a good YouTube video of Zach Brown going through his whole car collection. It's it's worth like the 15 minutes. It's insane. The, some of the cars. what are we talking like right. Jay Leno style here? It's, no, it's not. It's not like he has like fancy cars. Oh. It's like this is the car that that Michael Schumacher drove when he won X, oh, and this wow. is the car that Senna drove when he won X, and this is Dale Earnhardt's car. He has the actual racing cars from like some of the most famous guys in the history of motorsports. This is the floppy sock. This is the floppy sock that Daniel Ricciardo won at. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you get a tattoo of a cool car then? (laughs) Well, yeah, what tattoo would you have made him get? Like the, the... I don't know. Danny Rick's face. Danny Rick's face. Like even like, there, like, yeah. uh, like a shoe, like a like a shoey pouring milk into somebody's mouth. Yeah, yeah. Like okay, <laughs> well, maybe that's why it looks like a shoe, sort of. I don't Ooh. know. Uh, oh, sort of next okay. level. Uh, yeah, just attire. Uh, maybe uh, I like the I like the call on the shoey somehow. It's really good. More yeah, more more Ricardo. Less you know, just the track. I, I what was was there a, was there a date on it too? It's Is the that date what it, oh, okay. that, he, that they won okay. the race? I okay. think yes. Well, we've gone deep here on the U.S. Grand Prix. We're an hour in and we haven't even got to the other two races. So we're going to take a quick break here. When we get back, we're going to talk rain. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Back with no breaks. Graydon, on the first podcast we did, I revealed myself as a casual by making the basic prediction that Lando Norris would win his first Formula (laughs) One race in the second half of the season. A prediction you shamed me for so hard. Ugh, still burns my soul. I thought it was gonna happen in Russia, buddy. I thought Lando had it. Talk me through what happened in Sochi. For me, this is the race of the year. It's my favorite race of the year. I thought it was insane and so much fun. And Sochi always gets a bad rap for being a boring race. I don't think that's necessarily true historically. It certainly wasn't true this year. You had uh, really intense fighting up at the top, uh, you know, with Lando starting out so strong, maintaining such a great lead the whole race. Hamilton hunting him down, looking like he wasn't going to be able to get it done. On the flip side, you saw great action in the back of the race. You had Verstappen started 20th. Leclerc starting 19th, Botox starting 16th, 
fighting their way, in particular Leclerc and Verstappen fighting their way through the field. I think Leclerc overtook seven people on the first lap, eventually gets overtaken by Max himself battling back up into the points they're fighting their way through you know hamilton's hunting down norris towards the end and then what happens the rain arrives mm. uh, it, with just a few laps to go everyone is debating what to do should they go in should they stay out only two guys choose to stay out thinking they can make it work and it will be huge for their uh, you know for their r- race winning odds norris and leclerc uh, and both of them, it proves to be a catastrophic oh. error. Just, I, just a heartbreaking error on on Norris, on Norris's front in particular. Right? Had he merely come in, even even that very next lap after you know the under, there was still plenty of time after Hamilton had pitted. There was more than a pit stop window for him to go in, come back out, and still confidently be in the lead. He stays out. He just cannot handle the car in such heavy rain. Uh, he ends up cratering to what eighth or something like that after he finishes he finishes in the points but much further down and, and you end up having a after what is an insane final lapse the incredibly standard uh <laughs> <I think laughs> of hamilton verstappen and then was signed signs finished third signed third in that race who actually because of his good management of the tire change actually wasn't having a great race the signs was after a great start, you know, getting into first and battling with Norris in the beginning was kind of slowly fading back, maybe on pace to finish fifth or sixth or something like that. The tires helped him out as well. They help, I mean, the, the, the switch to wets helped him out as well, helped out Botas immensely, got him out at 14th or 15th up to fifth. But just an insane ending and a heartbreaker for Lando Norris, as heartbreaking a finish to any race as maybe I've ever seen short of, you know, uh, I don't know, so, so, something like when Ham- Hamilton's first, you know, first title in 08 or something. Oh, classic. Who can forget that one? As, as you saw from that picture before, I was a huge Lewis Hamilton fan way back when. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just honestly, like the biggest bummer for Norris, especially like hearing all the radio calls too, and hearing afterwards, like Hamilton literally thanking Mercedes, like, thanks for pulling me in to get me uh, the right tires. And just the way it went down for Lando, like coming around that le- that turn, and he just like slides way out and you're like, it's the saddest way you could possibly imagine it too. Cause like, it looks like his car isn't moving. It looks like he's stuck on ice and you're just like, Ugh, Ugh. this is why it's so hard to win a race if you're not in one of the top cars. It ended up being Lewis Hamilton's 100th win of all time, if I'm not mis- mistaken, which is pretty crazy when you got one guy going for number one and then he makes the tiniest mistake. And it's like, a, and the next guy swoops in and that's how you get, you win a hundred races. It was crazy. And I also liked, um, watching this one how the fact they knew it was getting rainy on the track was they saw all of the people putting their umbrellas up in the crowd they're like umbrellas umbrellas out rain must be here things are going to get interesting and yeah mercedes made the right call on this one as we'll see with turkey maybe not so much the case but this was a that was a crazy ending and yeah maybe the race of the year what do you think skeets uh, I just love the communication that happens between a driver and like their, uh, you know, their pit crew or their team back there. I, I think it's so, so wild at times, like a driver, like telling them to shut up basically. And they're always <laughs> just trying to stay so calm, like either the direction that they're giving or like, let's change it up or don't stay out there. And it's like, oh my goodness. Like they're just, they're driving 200 miles per hour. They all want to win. You know, they're the, some of the best in the world at what they do. And 
you know, they want to probably just like, let's go. Let's just drive through this half the time. And you've got to be like, no, that's not the right play. And I know I'm sure they talk about it in advance and all that. And they have a plan A and then plan B and C. But when you're out there, I'm sure you're like, you know, you hear Hamilton all the time, like getting upset with the decision being made and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. But they just have to remain so calm. The calm team does in talking to them. And it's just an amazing dynamic. And that we get it on a broadcast is wild too, to me. I, oh. Does that get... Does that get like cleared by a team? Like, you know, when we watch an NBA game and they wire up a player and all we get is like, hey, great job. Hey, nice rebound. And they don't say anything because the reason that happens is all the cool stuff that that player may have said, it's shown to the NBA and shown to the team and they have to say yes, no, yes, no. So it's usually just generic crap. But does that go through like a, a similar process that you know, Graydon? No, I actually believe it is. It is fairly open season. Wow. I think that it is. I, in fact, I think the radio messaging in general is, is fairly open. I think teams do monitor what other drivers are saying mm. and things like that. And, and then they, cause uh, let's be real. Some of the things they put up there are absolutely stri- They are, they are strategic. Yeah. Inside. yeah. You know, guys sure. are talking about pitting. They're talking about yeah. staying out They're You know, they're revealing the plans of the team, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? In real time. So they're absolutely useful. And then you hear other teams say that, you know, you'll hear Christian Horner say to Max, you know, Oh, Lewis is struggling with X or Y. Yeah. Whatever. You know, they're clearly like, you know, they're using these all as insights into their strategy. So uh, that is a radically different than the sort of like mic'd up model where it's like, let's go guys, let's go. <laughs> let's go, let's go, go let's go, let's go. That's sort of crazy when you think about because what you're saying is a broadcast can have an impact on race strategy. Like a producer, a director is deciding what to use. I mean, well, they they're to be, they can monitor everybody's radio. So yeah. the honestly, what the producer is saying, like chooses is a little bit, I don't know if it's impacting race strategy, because let's say if you're Mercedes, you're listening to everything that Max is saying. You're listening to his whole broadcast. Yeah, okay. You're already, you're you're not listening to everybody's. You don't care what they're saying to Mick Schumacher, but you're listening to your rival. Wait, you don't think there's a guy on Mercedes or Red Bull that just like has to listen to the stroll feed? Like, uh, you know, oh, I'm on stroll duty. Stroll position. There we go again. Uh, Yeah, you know, but yeah, I think they're listening to the guys around them and, and you know. Okay, fair but enough. But it is still wild yeah. that we get those insights. Yeah, and it's great. I think it makes the race really, really interesting, too, for, again, someone like me that's pretty new to the sport. It's cool that you can hear them freaking out or discussing strategy while they're going 200 miles per hour. It's, it's amazing to me. Which I also think it opens up. Somebody in the comments just pointed out that gamesmanship happens. They're correct. It opens up. The opportunity to be deceitful over the radio, to say one thing and do another, which is always interesting. But the other thing that they do in F1 that I love is the way they do press conferences where they have multiple guys from different teams being interviewed together. We should do that in the NBA. What if at the the end of the finals, you had to put like Chris Paul and Giannis up there together and they had to answer questions collectively? Yeah. It would be insane yeah no that's great i mean and look <laughs> like i mean like christian horner is that his name uh you know the guy with red bull yeah he's like, the red bull principal yeah, yeah that guy's never met a mic 
that he didn't like. That guy loves to talk. Oh, yeah. I mean, 100%. it feels like he's on the broadcast. Like, they check in with him, like, three times a, a race, it feels like. Uh, let's just go to let's go to Horner, see what he's thinking. He's like, gladly will tell you. Now, he might be saying deceitful things. He might be a little trickery here and there. But that guy loves the camera. And uh, it's, I guess, no surprise he's married to a Spice Girl. <laughs> and, it's, and it's no surprise that, like, Red Bull was the only team to participate in Drive to Survive from the very first of the major teams, not only teams, excuse me, but a right. Ferrari, Red Bull, and Mercedes. They were the only one that agreed to participate from the very beginning. And the corner, isn't there news with that? Isn't Max saying he doesn't want to do it anymore? Is that is that true, Trey? Do you know about that? Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, what did Max Verstappen say? He said it's not going to be in season four of Drive to Survive, which is the season that's currently filming will be based on the season we're watching right now. Right. Max said, I understand that it needs to be done to boost the popularity in America. He's talking about Drive to Survive. But from my side as a driver, I don't like being part of it. They faked a few rivalries, which don't really exist. So I decided to not be a part of it. And I did not give any more interviews after that because then there's nothing you can show what a super bummer. This guy might win his yeah. first F1 title that's and it's not going to be part of Drive to Survive? Yeah, that's That is a bummer. That is a bummer. That's disappointing. It's also, yeah, this could be a kind of his coming out party in the U.S., right? This could mm -hmm. be a huge popularity boost for him. It's, it's not surprising in the sense that Max kind of probably gets to call the shots at this point, but it is a little surprising because I know Red Bull, almost certainly the way they approach media and they think about media, would absolutely want him to participate. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. it's almost a reverse Mercedes, right? Because Mercedes wasn't in the first season and they're like, oh, this is actually awesome. People are going <laughs> to love it if you're in this. Let's be in this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so it's, it's no different, different than a Survivor contestant complaining about their edit too. I mean, I get it. They're going to try and make things uh, more dramatic than they probably are. This is what Max is saying. He's like, no, this wasn't even, you know, they throw things out of order. I get all that. And like, they just hype it all up. But come on, man, it is helping your sport. And you guys said it like you would, you would very possibly be winning the your, your first title here in the season uh, that they're recording right now. And he's not going to be there, which sucks. That sucks. And a pretty good point from Lawrence. Such a drama-filled season. They're not going to really yeah. create anything. Like, good point. It ain't going to be fake Hamilton and Verstappen bumping wheels every two races uh, yeah. out there. But, yeah, that's a, that's honestly too bad. But you're right, Skeets. Uh, Verstappen has gotten the villain edit. Yeah, <laughs> If we're talking has. Survivor, which, yeah. uh, which honestly is a little surprising to me that there are so many American Red Bull fans. But, nonetheless, I wish he was going to be in it. I'm sure we'll still get a lot of Red Bull stuff, though, from Christian Horner, like you're saying. <laughs> and like we were saying earlier, listening is very important. You got to listen to your meteorologist and you got to listen to the guy telling you to get tires. Graydon, tell me what happened at the Turkish Grand Prix. Ooh, this is this. I'm glad that we got a little bit of drama with Hamilton here at the end, because this probably wasn't going to be my race of the year. Uh, the Turkish Grand Prix you know, turned into, you know, a little bit of a parade at some point along the way. But it was, it started out a little rainy. Everybody kind of thought maybe the track would dry out. Toto Wolf itself had said, we're going to start on inters, but we expect it to be dry in a little bit here. Never really happened. It was damp out there, it was cold, and the track just wasn't drying out. So people stayed on inters, which started to beg the question, when am I going to change tires? The tire window, change window is huge. Or am I even going to change at all? And, you know, as we got deeper and deeper into the race, a few drivers started to entertain the idea that they might go the full distance on one set of tires, which 
you know, is allowed in this instance if you're on wets mm. or inters. And the in this instance, Hamilton was considering it, Leclerc was considering it, and uh, Esteban Ocon, in fact, did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, they, so, you know, Leclerc initially tries it, you know, he ends up getting out into the lead after other people pit, but then suddenly his tires, they fall off a cliff, he ends up getting gobbled up by Botas, it's clearly the wrong call, and he comes in, to be honest, his call to stay out probably cost him a podium. He was dry. He was had great pace, was driving really well, and was cruising in third. And his choice there probably cost him that that podium spot. But you know, he wanted to push. He wanted to push for the win. He he thought it was within his sights when they called him over the radio. He was ecstatic, thinking maybe he could take it all the way to the end. Hamilton had similar thoughts. You know, he felt really good about his tires, thought he was going to be able to get there, but only, what, five laps from the end? I mean, how many laps were we from the end when they called him in? They, they basically, in the end, said, you got to come in. You know, th- these tires are not going to make it. You're going to fall off a cliff here. You're going to get gobbled up by multiple people behind you, potentially Checo and Leclerc, but also Gasly was driving at a pace that he might have ended up even a further spot down than he eventually did. Um, so they called him in Hamilton was not happy, you know, and was was very upset about it, thought they made the wrong call. I personally think they made the right call. They have a lot of data. And if you're looking at the way the other people who were pushing their tires so far were tracking, the sort of pace that Ocon was doing at the end of the race, a lot of people said, well, Ocon went the full distance. He drove one less lap. And those last few laps, he was lapping at a slower pace than the Haases were going. Mm. He had fallen off a cliff. So I don't know that Hamilton was going to be able to stick it out. I think they made the right call. But at the time, Lewis disagreed. And yeah, like you're saying, he was pretty upset about it. And it kind of felt like he wasn't getting the full information with that with that stop. Because like as soon as he pitted, he's like, what? I just lost two places. I didn't expect that to happen. So I don't I don't know who that one was on. But I don't know. That was strange to me. And that coupled with what happened at the U.S. Grand Prix, it's like you don't expect Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes to make mistakes at all, but they're happening more often. And Red Bull is really seizing the opportunity. So I don't know. I feel like Red Bull is winning the championship. They're doing their best. They're going out there and putting up huge times. And Verstappen has been the best driver, I think, this season. But Mercedes is making a lot more mistakes than you would usually expect from them. So... You're right. They've got all the data. They usually make the right call. But this one, this one felt weird to me. And with coupled with USGP, it's just like, I thought these guys were supposed to be perfect. I thought they were never supposed to miss a mark on their tire strategy. They're, they're human, Graydon. It's also something where, you know, strategy gets harder when it's more competitive. Part of their kind of perfect execution of strategy is they've been executing it from a great distance out in front. Yeah. Where in clean air with no, you know, kind of no issues, it's a lot easier to just call your own shots and execute a strategy that is safe and works and brings you home in first. When when it's such a tight race and they're battling every single week, the strategy, it, it just gets so much more dynamic out there. It's its not nearly as easy, and we're seeing that. We're, and you're seeing the disagreements because Hamilton also, such an experienced driver, so much confidence in his own perspective out there on track, is not easy to convince of an approach that he doesn't readily believe in. So, Yeah, you talk about gamesmanship. I feel like Hamilton is the number one guy with gamesmanship. Like, as soon as he starts driving, he's like, oh, these tires suck. These are the worst <laughs> tires. I can't go fast on these tires. The next thing you know, he's setting fastest laps. My favorite part from this race, uh, Max Verstappen finished 15 seconds off the lead, but 33 seconds 
um, ahead of Sergio Perez. They asked him afterwards, what was the hardest part of the race? Staying awake is what he said. He's like, this was a boring drive for me. And I guess that's just how it is sometimes. Like they didn't have to make a lot of strategy calls. They were faster than everybody else they were racing, but not fast enough to catch Bottas. Very funny, I thought, from Max Verstappen. But unfortunately for him, that will not be in Netflix's drive to survive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're saying there won't be a scene where Max Verstappen was eating sunflower seeds to keep himself awake during the race? <laughs> That's a nice little tip for anybody doing long road trips. My buddy Dub told me that once. Eat sunflower seeds. You know, it keeps your keeps your mind engaged because you're like cracking it and you're spitting and all that. Um and then it actually works. So. Maybe that's the perfect snack for a Formula One driver that's what I'm to saying. have. Just I think a little, so. Yeah, little tiny. Bag of, <laughs> pop them in, spit them out. Oh yeah, some people are so good at sunflower seeds. You like they they can put a hundred in their mouth on their left cheek, and then bring one over at a time. You know, cracking on the right side, a little spit. Uh, and then, but, oh, then the air is going to get really dirty. You're going to have sunflower seeds, uh, you know, flying into other cars and stuff like Wait, that. Wait, you're but. telling me there's people that put like oh, a big chunk of, and they're oh, and they're just managing that all yeah, intra mouth. Sure. They're just, I can't wow, do it. I'm talent. horrible at it. But people talent. can definitely do that. Yeah, it is amazing. I think Tass might be pretty good with a sunflower seed. Oh, I can chipmunk a sunflower that. seed. Oh, we you can talk, do it. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about um, dangerous cereals on the podcast earlier today, and how they can really cut up the, <laughs> the top of your mouth. <laughs> There he is. If you put like uh, 30 sunflower seeds in your mouth, that thing is just going to just get destroyed. It gets oh, yeah, like yeah. so dry yeah. with all the salt oh, and the oh, seeds. The salt, yeah. Oh, it, it's oh, so it. gross. Oh, it's yeah. so gross. Uh, it just feels like a desert in there. Uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you, Skeets, about this. They, deba- they, debuted. they debuted the nose cam at the Turkish Grand Prix literally a camera on the nose of the car. They would put the graphics down on the track so you could see how fast people were going, what kind of gears they were in. Do you like all these new cameras they're doing? We've seen the nose cam. They had the helmet cam earlier in the season. Yeah, of course. I mean, I love it. Like anything that can bring you, of course, closer to the experience of actually racing these things and the speeds they're going and the decisions they're having to make and just how I like how close they are a lot of the time. That is always wild to me. Um, You know, around turns and they like inches apart, but they know exactly where they are and they don't touch. Um, Yeah, I love them. I thought it was pretty cool. I was for it. Uh, Were there people pushing back against it? Like... It's sort of strange to me we've never had a nose cam, I guess, Graydon. Like, what took so long? Right? It's 2021. What's going on I, I, here? I don't know, actually. It's a good question. Why didn't we, why didn't we have that? I don't know. I question. feel like they didn't bring it back yet, though. They had the nose cam at the Turkish Grand Prix. I don't remember seeing it at the U.S. No, one, I though. Either. I might have missed it in qualifying or something like that. Uh, I preferred the nose cam, I think, to the helmet cam. The idea of the helmet cam, I think, is awesome, but a little too wiggly, uh, yeah. for one. And number two... Terrible quality. It's like when they first started doing the pylon cam in the NFL and it was like they had like a one megapixel camera. For whatever reason, they always start with some shitty camera and then upgrade as time goes on. I'm sure it'll get better and better. But uh, yeah, bring them back. Nose cam, helmet cam. It's about all the cams you can really... Not many other places to put them, you know? No, not on really. A Formula One car. I mean, I guess people in the uh, slipstream are saying the nose cam is not new, so maybe it has been around. Um, liars. Oh, hey, we're, it's liars. new to us, I guess, here. Uh, uh, Mr. SR, MSR, uh, <laughs> is, is the one I'll give the credit to. Uh, who knows? Uh, new to me, uh, and I like it. So, yeah, keep it. Let's keep it. I uh, like it too. We're on a two-stop strategy for today. We got one last pit stop and then we will finish things out. Stick around. 
It's NBA playoffs time, and that means NBA snack time. I can't stop eating while I'm watching. So many options in my house that I gotta cut out a bit. I gotta switch it up, but I know I'm not giving up. Sunflower seeds, sure. But maybe something that's not a food for that oral fixation, perhaps? Good thought. Here's a breath of fresh air. Fume. Fume takes your habit and simply makes it better, healthier, and more enjoyable. Fume is an innovative, award-winning flavored air device. Instead of vapor, Fume uses flavored air. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. And instead of harmful chemicals, Fume uses delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, Fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Its taste is surprising. All natural stuff. It's fun to fidget with, and it's a good weight. The wood feels good, and it feels cool to use. Start the good habit by going to tryfume.com slash dunks and getting the journey pack today. Fume is giving listeners to the show 10% off when they use our code dunks to help make starting the good habit that much easier. I got to get something off my chest. Nothing drives me crazier than sending a message to a group chat and getting no response. That's why I'm a big emoji responder. Love a hang loose hand or a salute. But man, it hurts when you send a message and get nothing back. Ouch! We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks. This episode of No Dunks is brought to you by BetterHelp. Back with no breaks. Graydon, I was scrolling your Twitter earlier to find that sick picture of you wearing a cowboy hat, and I'm glad I did, because the first thing I saw was Lewis Hamilton in undercover <laughs> boss makeup. What? What is going on? I have no idea what this was about, but I did see these and immediately had to tweet these out. I was like, what is going on here? Yeah, I have no I idea inc- what's going on. I only included uh, half your tweet because the other half had to be the punchline. There is some big, I think you yeah. should leave energy here. Everybody's happy when they're getting the makeup put on, but not quite the same when it's off your face. That's a great Netflix show. Oh man! Can you go back actually to the uh, Lewis Hamilton in I costume? Don't, I don't. I don't want to leave anymore. Should I don't want to be here anymore? Should be at the bottom of this. Yeah. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Come on. Go with me here a little bit, Trey. He's trying to pull off a great and Gordian. I think a little. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> he looks a little bit like him. He's got the hat, the glasses. You know, there's a good beard coming in there. Oh, oh man, that's great. God. Okay. Yeah, very funny. Um, So, yeah, I guess we'll have to see why Lewis Hamilton is uh, in disguise. But honestly, if you want to just be in disguise, just go as yourself, buddy. Some people (laughs) won't even recognize who you are. Completely ignore you. Uh, I was going to ask you all about uh, the Netflix world here with regards to Max Verstappen. Has Netflix made Formula One a little bit too American, Graydon? 
There was a ton of content around the US Grand Prix, a lot of off-track stuff. I love it. I love content. I thought all the, I think it just makes the race seem more fun and more exciting. But if you've been watching Formula One for more than four years, maybe you're like, why do we have Shaq up there? I think that could be a legitimate concern, but I think it's outweighed by the fact that more and more people are watching. What's your take? Yeah, I think it's fun. I think Americans are loving it. The people are like, you know, I, it's uh, this was, <laughs> can you have too much content? We love content. This crew yeah. right here loves content. No, but I think that it's, I mean, it, the Shaq thing was a little silly. There was a lot of stuff going on. But I also wonder, honest question, because I don't know, is that, are we just picking up on all that because it's in the U.S. and now we're seeing it? Are they doing lots of like, like when they have the Chinese Grand Prix or right. there are a bunch of goofy things that are maybe, you know, targeted at that audience or whatever? I don't know. I mean, maybe we're just not exposed to it in the same way. It yeah. did feel very Americanized this weekend, though. It, that that it did that I would agree with. Uh, you know, I think people in the slipstream are pointing it out. They do always have celebrities. I mean, oh, this yeah. is a oh. this is a, a rich person sport. We've talked about that before. You guys have, and uh, it makes sense that you're going to draw the big names there, and they're going to be down there on uh, pit row. Was it Martin? Uh, is that his name uh, with the broadcast doing? Yeah, yeah, where he was doing the um, you know walking around, which. Tell me, that's something he normally does, probably yeah. hasn't because of the pandemic. That was So this was like the return to it, right? Yeah. Uh, hilarious, because it's really funny trying to see him figure out who he's going to talk to and then <laughs> do like three questions and then he's off and talking to somebody else. But there was, and, and Nora was telling me that I guess there's a, a section of F1 fans that were pissed off with the Megan Thee Stallion, uh, the rapper that was down there. She's walking with all her bodyguards and he's trying to get like a little interview. He's trying to get like three questions in. I think he asked her to rap, which was maybe a little weird. What's your rap? A little strange. But F1 fans were like, why is she there? That doesn't make any sense. Like she shouldn't be like, she's not, she doesn't seem to be a fan if she doesn't know who he is, I guess. And, uh, you know, their bodyguards like pushing him away. And this is probably one of the most respected, I assume F1, uh, you know, broadcasters in the game. Um, okay. Maybe there is a point there. Uh, but then, you know, he talks to Chris Bosch and it was really great. I thought it was a really fun little interview. Like Bosch knew his stuff and he was talking about his relationship with Hamilton. So, I, I mean, I don't know what I'm getting at here. I guess I could understand why some people are like, why are they there? But then I told Denora, I was like, you could say that about everything. You think the people sitting courtside in an NBA finals game are like diehard NBA fans? No. It's like a, you know, it's a B scene type of thing. Uh, so it happens everywhere, I guess is my point. Brundle also had, second to uh, the, the Alpine quote about being able to pass off track, Brundle had the, the other quote of the weekend, which is that one of the bodyguards told him, you can't do that. And Brundle yeah. said, yes, I can, because I just did. I was like, great. I, I mean, I think he should. I think he should lean into the bit and just try and fight everybody on, on pit row. I love that idea because he's, he's a feisty guy, and yeah. Uh, yeah, that was that was hilarious. I guess people are saying, and I had seen this going around before. Uh, Mark is saying that Martin once did. Uh, a, a grid walk interview with Serge Ibaka <laughs> and he asked him can you pick me up and Serge was like uh, no okay this so, is a good bit yeah so I mean that is that's a weird question to ask a, a, a guy I mean I get it you're like wow this guy is huge like if you ask Shaq that 
Um, I'm 95% convinced he probably just picks them up right away. That's that's a, I think check, that's it. Martin's kind line. of messing with people. Same with asking Megan Thee Stallion to rap. I don't think he's like some grandpa who thinks like, well, you're a rapper. You, you should rap. I think he's like, I think he's poking fun at people a little bit. Yeah, I think he's messing with them a little I, well, I think it's that. And also, like, put yourself in his shoes. Like, Trey and I have done similar things, maybe not as wild as that, where, you know, you have a producer in your ear saying, hey, hey, there's Megan the Stallion. And you're like, <laughs> you might be like, who the hell is that? And they're like, you know, she's a rapper. She's a rapper. Get her. You know, and he's like, okay, well, what am I going to ask uh, this rapper that maybe he does or does not know? I'm assuming he doesn't. So, you know, he's put in a tough spot. But you're right. He's probably just... Just trying to get the laughs as well from from us, and it and it usually works. Yeah, it definitely worked. I think a solid take from MSR, who says as long as they don't mess with the regulations and make it too gimmicky, don't care about right. the off the track stuff. That's good exactly point. right. Exactly agree, right. Another good question from the Slipstream team, something I actually had wanted to ask you about, Greg, and comes from Eric Harper. Can we talk about the newish pit changes? All I understand is that there's a little bit more of a human element. The question I more so have for you is why would they change the pit stop regulations during the season? That's the crazy thing to me. It'd be like, all right, we're we're not calling charges anymore for the next half of the season. You know, they do. It's, it's not unprecedented to make regulatory changes during the season, especially when they're oriented towards safety, which I think this one was fundamentally about. I think they felt that pit stop, that there had been, issues you know too many issues with pit stops around whether it's personal safety in the pits or the cars being unsafe on the track because of the tire wasn't you know secured appropriately or something like that and that's i think that you know makes them want to uh you know so if if it's a, if the overriding concern is safety they'll act immediately right you know they won't they won't mm-hmm. wait um you know it's 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 kind of it's how much safer is it making it? I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 we have had fewer kind of uh, messed up pit stops or at least pit stops where somebody has left the pit but, and things were messed up. We've definitely had some blown, some blown pit stops, you know, across the board, including with Red Bull, who was famously so fast. Uh, in fact, you know, some people uh, in the comments here are suggesting that perhaps maybe that was the real reason behind it. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I, but it's, I do think that, you know, if it, it, if it is making pit stops safer where you do have so many people surrounding these cars, everybody is moving so quickly. I think putting safety first in these instances is perfectly reasonable. Safety first, then teamwork. That's what I always say. We got three races coming up here in November. A triple header. Incredible stuff. We got the Mexican GP, November 7th. The Brazilian GP, November 14th. And the Qatar GP, for the first time, November 21st. Uh, After the race in Austin, Lewis Hamilton said that Mexico and Brazil are traditionally Red Bull tracks, Graydon. Next time we talk, end of November, beginning of December... You think this is going to be wrapped up for Red Bull? Ooh. Wrapped up? I, I, it's tough to say. Certainly some of the, I, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's going the distance. I think it's going to be really tight right up until the end. Maybe not literally the very last race, but you know, I, I think, I think at least, at least in, in Qatar, they'll, they'll still be battling for it. Uh, I think. So why why do they say that these um, lean towards being a Red Bull sort of track? I think what's what's the reasoning? I think it's because they both are tracks that favor 
really strong downforce packages. The air is so thin in Mexico City, it's at such a high elevation mm -hmm. that it's hard to get the downforce needed to take turns quickly and things like that, right? So you, you have people running very aggressive uh, aero packages that still have, you know, less drag than the packages they run at like Monza or something like that. Right. Okay. So, it's, so it's, it's kind of the, it, it's that it's, it's about that. It's about the elevation. And so Red Bull has historically had high rake, you know, really high downforce cars that allow them, you know, a lot of strength in the corners. They have a little bit more balance this year. There's a little bit less radically in that direction. Maybe they have been in the past, but I think both also the high camber corners in Brazil are similar uh, in, in the sense that they want, you know, b both of those favor, you know, Red Bull's historic approach to okay. how they generate downforce. I have a question. I think I saw this going around on Twitter over the weekend. It's a fun one for you, Graydon, for sure. And you too, TK. Of the four, well, it's going to be four North American races. Um, so obviously Austin, which we just had. Now we got Mexico City. Montreal is usually on the uh, on the on the calendar. It's coming back next year, and then they're adding Miami. Of those four, which one would you most want to attend? And uh, you know, we'll go to you first, Graydon, even though you've already attended Austin. I don't know if you've been to Montreal or Mexico City. I actually haven't been to either of those races. I think. Hmm. I think for me, it's probably Mexico City. I think it's okay. just a really fun race. I think when they go through that stadium, it's a really cool moment. It'd be an incredible place to you know witness it. I I, I think it'd be I, I think it'd be cool. It'd definitely be between them and Montreal. It's close. Okay. I, 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 I it'd be close. I mean, I, they're both iconic races. I, I'm gonna say Mexico City. It's the one I think most actively about going to next. So maybe I've answered my own question there. Okay, there you go. Don't go to Montreal. It's just like Austin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, the Texas, it's the Texas. It's um, the Texas. You wouldn't even know where you are. Canada. What's yeah. the yeah. difference? Yeah. Uh, but what about you, Trey? Are you going um, with the new one in the mix, Miami, and then Montreal, Mexico City, or Austin? My answer would be Miami just because it feels like it's going to be a humongous party. It's going to be, to me, the North American equivalent of like a Monaco where it's like, yeah. oh, we're having a huge party for three days. Also, there's going to be a race here. But that's also kind of what Texas just felt like. And I love that snake curve at the Circuit of the Americas. And I don't know, been known to tuck in a shirt these days. So <laughs> might be fun to head on down there to Texas, tuck in and watch some racing. Yeah, we got, we got to definitely get no breaks out to one of these oh, races totally I mean, that totally. has to happen uh you love mexico city too right great and oh, you've actually been to the I city yeah, i've never city. been i think it's incredible yeah. so fun incredible yeah. food incredible culture it's great that's partly why i want to go but admittedly yeah. i also love montreal and miami these are all yep. cities that i love to visit so there's there's no okay. there's no bad choice here okay good you got any idea what to expect from the race at Qatar? They haven't had a race, but it will be a night race. No, I actually, Ooh. I don't know. I actually, did, no, I don't. I don't know if I have a lot of expectations on it. I, I think it's also one of those things where, without the, without the, you know, the historical data, I guess. But I'm excited for it. It'll be be good. I, I yeah, I, I wish. The only thing I'll say about it is, is that I, I do kind of miss the days where Brazil was closer to the end of the season. I think some of the last couple of races probably aren't my favorite tracks of the of the year so i wish that i you know i i, I kind of miss the day when interlagos was was the end of the season because it, it, it is can be so exciting and if the season is very close it makes for a great race but is what it is you know 
Mm. Is that the race you're most looking forward to, this triple header? Because there has been a lot of drama at Interlagos in the past few yeah, seasons. Yeah, I think it's great. Brazil, for me, is always one of my favorite races of the year. It's crazy. So. What makes it so good? You know, the, I don't know. That's a great question. You know, there's, it's, there's a few great... I mean, sometimes, maybe by sheer coincidence, just crazy things happen, you know, on the track. I do know that that first straight and then that into turn one, which is this, like, deep banking, like, elevation drop turn is a great point for passing and then it goes into a long straight and it's just one of the great moments on the f1 calendar where you see really aggressive racing really aggressive overtaking there's two quick drs sections in quick succession so you see guys pass and then get passed right back and things like that right and it, it just makes for a lot of really aggressive battling on the track that i, I I, I, you just love to see, right? That's what you want to see, right? These guys going wheel to wheel, and Interlagos, for one reason or another, has the potential to produce that. So. This is a good question uh, in the slipstream here from Greg, talking about that that last one you guys were talking about here with the little three races back to back to back. Do teams get any practice or uh, data about a new track, or do they have to wait until they show up for uh, for FP1? What do you do? You know the answer to that, Greg? I, I don't know. Difficult. I actually don't know if I mean, I they're. I'm sure they have some information on it. I'm sure they have weather information or maybe conditions about the literal track itself. But I think a lot of the data in terms of actual car performance in those conditions, they don't have. Now, they probably can simulate a lot of things because they can simulate. They know things like they know the elevation. They know average temperatures. They know other things that are going to affect the performance of the car. And they can run that through simulations and get mm. good insights into car setup, tire choices, et cetera, but it's all still speculative until they get out there and start yeah. really, you know, hitting the track. So yeah, that's pretty cool. I said, Nora sent me a photo. I guess it was on Instagram. She said, George Russell was in Miami walking the track for the new race. Ooh. Eventually next year, I was like, geez, it's getting a, getting quite the jump on that. <laughs> Let me get okay. my toes on that. I also <laughs> yeah. saw him uh, sideline at a Miami Dolphins football but game. But I think it was right? in London. I think it was in England. Yeah, 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 it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. He's just getting prepped. Yeah. Uh, okay. But hopefully we still got a championship race the next time we are talking. Hopefully that thing isn't over, but that's enough for today. Graydon, thanks again for joining us to talk about fast race cars. Go follow Graydon, y'all, at Mr. Gordian on Twitter. Graydon, do you have any hats you would like to tweet this week? Any, I don't know. Oh, oh. Any new hats? If I do, I mean, I'm not going to reveal it right now. It's going to be a yeah, surprise. No spoilers. No spoilers. Yeah. Tell yeah. he gets his uh, followers up. Uh, it's early, early, early days with your uh, twins, Graydon, but who do you think is going to be the better driver? Because <laughs> oh, I, think it's Fran- I, think it's Fran- I think it's the little girl. I think it's Francis? Yeah. She's, she's a fighter, you can tell. She's scrappy. Uh, she's, it's, it's not just about the pure speed. It's about the race craft. And I can see it in her eyes. She's calculating. Oh, I love it. Yeah, she's going to be. Okay. She's going to be the racer in the family for sure. Awesome. Congratulations again to you and Taryn. This guy's got twins and he's jumping on a podcast. Talk about race cars that go vroom, vroom. Look at this guy. (laughs) Look at this guy. What a guy. The things I said made sense. I was worried I was going to be like so tired. I'm just like spewing random, you know, it's like sentences are stringing together and things like that. You knocked it out. Uh, We love it, man. You crushed it. You taught us about high rakes and high cambers. Both of them. (laughs) Skeets, what's your favorite term? High rake or high camber? Uh, High camber. (laughs) I don't remember what it means. (laughs) (laughs) Same, but we'll figure it out at some point and we'll let you know what it means on our social accounts. That's a segue. Make sure to follow No Dunks at No Dunks Inc. anywhere you can. YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. 
TikTok. That's at No Dunks Inc. anywhere. Email us at nodunks at theathletic.com. Let us know if you want more or less no breaks. We just love engagement. We're back tomorrow on No Dunks to talk about basketball, 10 a.m. Eastern. And then later, we got no buffs on Thursday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern. More content than the U.S. Grand Prix. You guys, thank you. JD, thank you. Clipper bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Stay speedy, people.